Well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, don't, can we just thank God real quick? Can we just give God a big hand? That was a beautiful time of worship. And you're going to have a, a time where we're going to go back into that moment of worship here at the end and open up the altar and allow you to come forward. And Neil, just meeting you there in the lobby, man, God is already doing a great work in your life this morning. I believe this word is going to encourage you and all of you. Uh, real quick, before we jump into the message, uh, there's a couple pictures I want to show um, as tomorrow we honor Martin Luther King Jr. and his sacrifice, his obedience. Aren't you thankful for the obedience of MLK? It's awesome. Uh, there's a couple pictures, Kenny, if you want to put up of some of our Zion Christian Academy uh, kids on uh, Friday here at our school, we had I Have a Dream Day. Um, here we have Kyle and Sarah's son, Eli, in first grade. I believe his dream is to be a lawyer, and uh, he's going to make a lot of money, is what I heard. Uh, so there's Eli there. There's a couple of our other kids, uh, Lucas, and uh, a lot of the other kids from the school. It's funny, Lucas, the doctor, his dad uh, was the tech uh, last week when I went in to get my arm locked back into place, and so he's uh, got a good role model there. Some funny stories. There's Nehemiah. Uh, uh, Akia's uh, son, and what's neat is uh, Akia was going to dress him up like T.D. Jakes, because he's a pastor there, and Nehemiah told uh, Akia, no, I'm, go I'm going Pastor Garrett style, and he <laughs> slicked his hair back, and we got a preacher up and coming right there, got his word, and there's um, Ariah, Mike, and Tanya's daughter, so there's just a, a couple of our kids, she wants to be a teacher. So that's awesome. Uh, Miss King is her teacher in second grade. Uh, so there's a couple of, of the kids. And it's amazing how MLK is inspiring a whole new generation. And I just wanted to read a couple quotes with you as we dive in, as we look what obedience is all about. I didn't get a chance to do this in the first service. But be encouraged with this. Uh, MLK said some of his famous quotes is, Darkness can't drive out darkness, only light can. He cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Aren't you, don't you think our world, our country needs love to come forth to begin to drive out hate? I love this as we're walking in obedience. MLK said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. We're moving forward this, this morning, and we're moving forward, forward toward equality, and we're going to fight injustice and do our part. Some other quotes that he said, and I want to leave you with this, is the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And I believe this morning as we dive into the word, as we look at the prophet Haggai, the Israelites found themselves in a moment, in a season of controversy and of challenge. A little backstory is this is our third and final week as we look at the book of Haggai. Is the Israelites um, were at a place where they weren't focusing on what God had called them to do to build the temple. And we see the prophet Haggai, the word of the Lord, come to Haggai and he began to wake up the Israelites. The, word, the scripture said that here you sit in your fine paneled houses, here you sit in your comfort, here you sit with all your stuff, your money, your families. And when you look out the window, window where the temple should be, it lie in ruins. 
And so the word of the Lord came to Haggai to begin to stir them as we've been stirred to focus on our temple because Scripture says in the New Testament that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the most dignifying thing that we will ever experience on planet Earth is that the Holy Spirit wants to come and make a home in us. Doesn't that just excite you that the Holy Spirit has chosen all of us to come and live? And Haggai is all about waking the Israelites up, getting them out of their complacency and drawing focus back to what really matters. And my heart and my prayer for you this morning, wherever you find yourself in your walk with God, that you would hear the word of the Lord from Haggai where he says, the time is now. MLK stepped out in obedience and said, the time is now. This injustice that we see, if no one else is going to stand, I'm going to stand and do something about it. And look, there was an anointing of God upon his life to rally people together and say, hey, we're going to confront evil. Well, my prayer is, is that that same spirit, you would confront the hidden things in your life and allow the light of heaven to shine on you and say, is there cracks in my temple? Is there areas that are keeping the presence of God from dwelling and living within me? Quickly, before we jump into Haggai as well, I want to look at Exodus 17, 11. You can go ahead and mark your Bibles in Haggai and you can flip over to Exodus. I said this last week, but if you don't know where Haggai is, it's between Zephaniah and Zechariah. If you don't know where Zephaniah and Zechariah is, uh, go to your concordance. There's no shame in looking up at the concordance where your Bible are. I will say that our, our third and fourth graders here at Zion Christian Academy can list all the books of the Bible off. So just, are you smarter than a fifth grader? That's, that's what I'm trying to say. So look at Exodus 17, 11. You guys ready to hear the word this morning? It says, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. What we see here is Moses and the Israelites were in a great war, in a great battle. And God had spoke to Moses, I want you to go up to the mountain, take your staff, and I want you to go and I want you to lift your hands. And as long as your hands are lifted, as long as you obey this command that your, hand, your hands are lifted, you're going to find victory and you're going to see uh, my strength and my power give you what you need in order to beat the Amalekites. You go on and you read in Exodus 17, you'll see that there were times when Moses' hands got tired and he began to drop. And he ever been tired serving God or tired moving forward or tired fighting evil? So Moses' hands began to fall and he could see that the, uh, things would turn around and the Amalekites would begin to have the advantage. You go on to read, you'll see that there was times when his hands would begin to get tired and two of his right-hand men would come up underneath him and help him hold his hands. Anybody ever been in a place where you're thankful for the church or friends or family that help you hold your hands when you're going through tough times? And so what we see here is God speaks to Moses, I need you to physically do something in order for my power to be released. God ever spoke to you something that, I, I need you to do this, maybe I need you to move here, maybe I need you to say this, I need you to do this, whatever it looks like. But what I want you to see through the book of Haggai and this principle that, we, that I believe God was speaking to Moses and what he speaks to us today, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is that physical obedience brings spiritual release. Physical obedience in your life will bring spiritual release. So many times we say, well, God's got it. God's going to win the battle. Yes, God's going to do what he wants is going to do. 
but there's this act of when we physically allow God to take control and when we physically respond. You're going to get inspiration and your heart's going to be moved this morning, but if you don't physically do anything with it, you're not going to see change and transformation come into your life. This week, we're uh, doing our refocus fast where we're going to take seven days and going to encourage you to, to pick a fast or to pick a day. And we're going to set things inside. We're going to be intentional and say, God, we're going to put our comfort. We're going to put some good foods. We're going to put our social media. We're going to unplug from the world. And we want to connect with you. If you've ever been on a fast or if uh, you've ever done something like that, you can see the spiritual results that are released in your life because you were physically obeyed. I also want you to look at the posture of how we're to obey physically when we lift our hands or when we physically move out and trust God. 1 Timothy 2.8 says this. It says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere and the women, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So when God speaks to you and he has you step out physically for, for him, to step out in faith for him, the attitude that we should have is not wrath, not being in anger. When God speaks, to you, speaks for you to do something that might be uncomfortable for you, we were, me and my wife, Brianna, were laughing that when we decide to fast, I kind of, we see a different side of, of my wife and she sees a different side of me, get a little angry, a little touchy. Anybody ever been there when you fast? So sometimes when God gets you to step out and you trust him, things are breaking off your life, wrong emotions, wrong mindsets, your whole life is twisted and upside down. So it's saying when God asks you to move out, don't be angry with him, don't be wrathful. And then he says, don't doubt me. I think we miss out so much on what God wants to do because when he speaks, we instantly doubt or we instantly feel, I'm not qualified for this. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't look the part. I can't, I don't have the, the, the degree. I, I, I can't. But he's saying, don't doubt me. When I speak to you to step out and lift your arms, there's going to be times when you feel tired, but I can send people around you to keep your arms lifted. If you just trust me and do what I say, go to the mountain, lift your hands, don't have a spirit of wrath and doubt. Watch as you're going to see things released into the spiritual realm. You even, you go, and it's, it's amazing. We could take a whole rabbit trail and talk about this. You go and you read Hebrews 1.7. It says, out of obedience, that angels as blazing flames can be released. You go and you read that, it's amazing. You know, there's in, we can entertain angels as a, at any time. It's awesome. You don't, you don't know what I'm trying to say. You don't know what is on the other end of your physical obedience, what is released in the spirit. So God is saying to us this morning, and what we're going to see is he was encouraging the Israelites in the book of Haggai. It's physical obedience releases spiritual power. What is the spiritual power? It's favor. It's healing. It's miracles. It's protection. It's help. Aren't you thankful for the help of the Holy Spirit? And so this, this mindset, this issue of the heart that we're going to see in the book of Haggai, that Haggai addresses to the Israelites is conditional obedience. Anybody ever been a place of conditional obedience? What that looks like is kind of like selective hearing or selective listening. If you have kids, if you've been around kids, they reek of selective listening. You know, you could ask, you could yell, your kids are upstairs hanging out, having fun. Hey, kids, come on down. You know, it's time to clean. They're not going to hear you. You could say it again. They're still not going to hear you. You could say, hey, your friend's here, and he's ready to play. He's running down the steps and ready to play. 
I think we have to fight our selective listening with God. That when God speaks, we would have instant obedience and we would be willing to do whatever he's asking of us to do. So in your walk, in your journey, fight that heart of conditional obedience. What conditional obedience also says, it says, I'll obey as long as I like the results or I'll obey as long as it benefits me. We see, if you put on the screen behind me, Kenny, we see that throughout the word of God is that God doesn't give us options to consider a lot of the times. He gives us commandments to obey. What's neat too is if you really study the Ten Commandments through the context of relationship, you'll see God gave us the Ten Commandments so that we can be in relationship with Him, so that we don't grieve His heart. Because you as the temple of the Holy Spirit, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to make sure our temple is a place where He can come and be at home. You clean your homes. Think about what you do in order to make sure that your families are safe. Uh, the, the amount of thought that goes into our homes, uh, cleaning our homes, the amount of money we put into it. It takes work and it takes uh, thought in order to build a temple. And I pray through this series that you've been encouraged and challenged to look at your temple and say, Holy Spirit, wherever there may be cracks, wherever there may be places, I'm grieving you in ignorance or not in ignorance. I give you permission to come and shine the light of heaven upon my temple and show me where I can get back in right relationship. And so getting into the book of Haggai, if you turn to Haggai chapter 2, you'll see the word of the Lord again come to the Israelites. Now, again, you have to understand that the Israelites have gone through a pretty rigorous word from God to go up into the mountain, to bring down the timber, to build his house. They persevered through, disen disencour through discouragement. They uh, uh, struggled with comparison and their lack of progress. I don't know about you, but in 2018, you might have put some goals in place. You might have put some resolutions or declarations, and you're already seeing, man, I've already slipped up. I've, I've been fasting a few days, and I've already snuck into the closet and got a little chocolate. Whatever it may look for, for you, when you're moving forward in God, the enemy will always bring uh, a mindset, always hover over you and make you feel inferior because of your lack of progress, and will also make you feel inferior because the results aren't happening as you thought they would. And so the Israelites had to push through this and their lack of comparison. I think anything more than ever with how plagued our culture is with social media, it's so easy to compare your normal area of life with someone else's highlight reel. Someone your age who is just conquering the world and making lots of money and happy all the time. And then you look at your life and you just start to feel depressed. You start to feel worthless. These are very real things that we deal with. And so, again, the Israelites dealt with this. They looked at Solomon's temple and how glorious it was. But then, we, as we talked about last week of persevering through discouragement... He said that if you'll begin to build, if you'll begin to take what I've given you, that the temple now is going to be greater than the former temple. It might not be as big, but what's going to be inside of it is going to be far more glorious. And I believe this is a word for you as you're building your temple. What is the decisions you're making, the path of obedience you're, you're walking in? What's happening inside of you is going to be so pleasing unto the Lord 
and you're going to bring God glory because that's the purpose of our lives is we want to bring glory to God in everything we do. And so what we see here as we get into Haggai, you're going to see that God's going to remind them, hey, that you sinned, you got off focus, you begin to worship idols, you begin to worship your stuff. And so there is a corruptiveness that happens when we sin. And so he's reminding them, hey, in order for you to be set free, even as MLK said, free at last, thank God we are free at last, the Israelites are going to experience this moment at the end when God gives them a promise. But he says there's a process of going from unclean to clean, from holy or from unholy to holy. And this is the process that all of us find ourselves in at any season of life. So here's what he says, Haggai chapter 2, verse 12. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some bread and stew and wine or olive oil or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? And the priest replied, no. So that's basically saying if you have a dirty dish, your hands are clean. If I touch this dish, then the dish is automatically going to become clean. He says no. So what he's saying there is the process of, of coming from clean or coming from unclean to clean, it takes some work. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a magical process that takes place. And then he addresses the other side of it. He says then in verse 13, then Haggai asked, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answered, yes. So in essence, it's saying that sin can spread like a disease. It's a lot easier for the bad, the ugly, the sin to spread than it is for the good to spread. I think we see that in just how life is. You also look at the proverb, and what many of us know is that bad company corrupts good character. It's usually not the other way around. But look what he goes on to say in in verse 14. Then Haggai responded to this. He says, that is how it is with this people. So he's saying, what I just described to you, this is how you've been with God. Everything they do and everything they offered is defiled by their sin. And so they had a wrong mindset that they can bring their gifts, they can build the temple, and as long as we just do the work, it's okay. But what Haggai was trying to go even deeper, and what I believe God is wanting to go deep with you this morning, is what's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of your temple? It matters the choices we make. It matters the, how we approach God. So many times we approach God and we ask God, why aren't you blessing me? Why isn't your favor in my life? And that's where you have to go to the book of Haggai and say, oh, three or four times in Haggai, I see that he said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. And so throughout this series and this morning, I pray that a spirit of Haggai has, has raised, raised up within you and say, God, I want to consider my ways because I want your presence and I want heaven in my life. It's not rocket science, it's repentance. That's as simple as it is. Is when you go before God in repentance, he raises you up in renewal. That's the process that takes place and that's the process that's promised to you. And so Haggai was saying that the reason you're putting as, as you go back and read in Haggai chapter 1, you're, he said you're, it's like you're putting money in, in your bag and it's blowing away. Or you're drinking so much, trying to numb your pain and trying to numb the season you're in, and you're not even getting your fill. 
And so he's saying, you're doing all these things to try to fix your problem, but none of it is working. Anybody ever been in that place? You've done everything you've known to do, but nothing seems to be clicking and you continually to feel stuck. So Haggai is going to say to you, because of your heart, because you're just kind of building and giving me lip service, everything you do and everything you offer has been defiled. I don't want my sacrifice, and I pray you don't want your sacrifice to be defiled. But we want it to be honorable and pleasing and to bring God glory. Here's the principle. When your heart isn't right with God, whatever you do will be wrong. So we go through life. We constantly have to check ourselves or we're going to wreck ourselves. When your heart isn't right with God, whatever you do will be wrong. You see Jesus address this in Matthew 5, 24, where he was talking to some Pharisees and different ones, and he went up to them and said, hey, before you bring your gift into the temple or or set it in the altar, and there's anger or there's frustration toward a brother or sister, drop your gift where you're at and go and make it right, because if you bring that gift, I'm not going to accept it. And so we see that in order for us to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, Again, we have to constantly be checking ourselves. God, don't let, their, don't let gossip come out of my mouth. Don't let me be uh, uh, hateful to this person. You even you go back and you read in Matthew 5 a little bit more. It says, don't even call anyone stupid in the NLT version. Or breaking it down in the Hebrew, it's, it's looking at someone like they're empty-headed. Or they just don't have it all together. And so you can be talking to someone and you can be smiling, brother, I love how you're doing, but in your heart, there is such contempt and hate and bitterness and frustration. You can't think God's going to bless that because what's going on in you is defiling everything else around you. And again, he's telling us that there is a corruptive, there's a process of sin. Sin usually takes, tastes good at first. That's what gets us trapped and bought into it. But then along the way, we begin to see it deteriorate and corrupt our lives. And so that's where the Israelites found themselves. They never considered their ways. They, they stopped building the temple, and they, God says, I, I cut off the source from heaven in your life. But it wasn't to, you have to know this about God. It wasn't to punish them. It wasn't to put them in their place. It was to draw them back into restoration. If you find yourself in a tough season, you've got to drop to your knees and say, God, whatever it is, I want to be brought back into restoration with you. So again, he reminds his people of this in Haggai 2.15. Look what it says. It says, look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you dropped off a 20 bushel crop and you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press and you found only 20. This is bad math happening right here. I sent blight, God says, I sent mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so... You refuse to return to me. See, I pray that the, we never hear that from God, that even so you refuse to turn to me. But instead, as we sang and prayed this morning, so will I. Whatever your word says, so will I do. It's probably wrong English, but you get it. So will I. Let that be your heart's cry this morning. Again, he wasn't trying to punish. He was trying to restore. Now, here's what's neat, too, and... I pray that this is a spiritual growth spurt for you. 
is there's a difference between the love of God and the favor of God. We sing a song here, Reckless Love, that he chases us down, he pursues us, he tears down uh, mindsets of insecurity, of fear, of doubt, of unbelief, and he gets to us and we find ourselves in a place of his love and we're no, we know without a shadow of doubt when you experience the love of God that you are a son and daughter of God and you want to be in that place forever and you never want that, that feeling to lift. But the next step of it and how you can begin to grow in your walk and begin to see heaven empower what you're doing and anoint your life. How many of you want the anointing of God upon your life? Let me see your hands. Lift your hands, the physical act of obedience. This is what it is. If you want the favor of God on your life, the increase of favor, it comes through this. And this is what gets heaven's attention. Obedience and sacrifice. Those are the two things that gets heaven's attention to increase favor in your life. Now, favor, again, it isn't just money. It isn't just financial blessing, but it's the help of the Holy Spirit. It's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It is favor to raise your kids. Parents need the favor of God to raise kids in the saturated world we live in. I'm telling you, when you're obedient and you sacrifice for God, he sees it and it gets his attention. And you begin to see the favor of God. Heaven begin to open up. And God anoints what you're doing because you're putting him first. We said week one, God blesses what? Right priorities. Give him right priorities and watch blessing come into your life. Again, more than anything else, God wanted their heart. You can also write this down. And so many times we look at people we admire or we look at uh, people we look up to or or whatever it may be, and we want what they want, but we're not willing to sacrifice for how they got it. Here it is. It's, it's the things no one sees that results in the things that everyone wants. It's the things that no one sees that results in the things that everyone wants. I'm telling you, don't ever underestimate the time you get in your prayer closet and you pray and you seek God. Don't ever underestimate the time when you get to church and maybe you put off something else and you put God first. Don't ever underestimate the time when you get up early and you get in your word because you're being renewed and you're being filled. You're saying, God, you are my first priority. Don't ever underestimate when you tithe and when you give because you're participating in the economy of heaven that no economy can touch. Don't ever underestimate it. But it can't be lip service. It can't just be, I just give this or I just smile. or It's got to come from the heart. Because when you bring your gift, you want it to be blessed. You don't want it to be rejected. I'm telling you, God knows you can do it, and he knew the Israelites could do it. Listen to the word of of Haggai again. The time is now. MLK even said, the time is now. We're done putting up with it. I want to leave you with this. And Bree and Seth, if you would come, and I want to have a time where we can respond here. Verse 19 says, and I want you to highlight this and underline this because you have to keep the promise in front of you. We talked in persevering through discouragement. You have to hang on to the promises of God when you're moving forward in your life because you're always going to be met with resistance. The the day you say, I'm going to do something for God, the the minute you say, I'm going to repent and bow low before God because the, the highest I'll ever stand before God is on my knees. Anybody know that to be true? The minute you begin to talk dangerous like that is the minute 
your spiritual enemy. All hell will come against you from keeping you moving forward. So you have to hang on to the promises of God. You have to declare them over your life. Because hell and the world will declare one thing. But if you don't declare what he says, it's easy to begin to believe the lies of the enemy. Look at this in verse 19. Write this down. It says, I am giving you a promise now. Somebody say now. Now. So this is for you right now. While the seed is still in the barn, you have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines. Fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. So it's saying the seed's still in the barn. You haven't even went out and planted, planted the seed. But I'm about to do something supernatural because I see your obedience And because I see your sacrifice. Here's the promise he gave them. And this is a blessing, again, that God birthed this house house in that I believe as you're sitting in, you're underneath that mantle because of the sacrifice of those a generation ago. It says this, but from this day forward, I will bless you. Don't you love that? From this day forward, because of your obedience, because of your sacrifice, because of your heart to repent and not just give me lip services because you're willing to confront if you have frustration or anger to a brother or to a sister. From this day forward, I'm going to bless you. And again, the blessing is not money. It's a part of it. But as I said in our series on irrational generosity, money is the cheapest thing God could ever give us. He showed us how much he loved us by uh, giving us Jesus and not just giving us Jesus But he had to watch Jesus ascend the cross as a victor and pay the price for all humanity. You even think, you think of Moses. And as he stretched his arms out, you go and you read this and you look at the history and the heart behind it. it. It was a prefigure of Christ as Moses stretched his hand. Someone greater was coming who was going to stretch his hand for you to give you victory. And so you can experience all that God has for you. Again, God gave us the greatest gift. And how hard is it to walk in obedience? Because here's what happens. It's tough in the beginning as anything is. But man, when you get in that sweet spot, you start to see God begin to move and your faith begins to grow. You don't even look to the left or the right. You're running to the cross and you're running to God and you're running to Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the finisher of of your faith. You're seeing the supernatural hand of God begin to anoint what you're doing. You begin to grow strong. You begin to see, oh my gosh, this is real. And nothing, no enemy, no haysayer can can take you off the path because you're glued in and you know you're his. There's a consistency that comes. From this day forward, I will bless you. I want this promise to be instilled in your life and be departed into your life. Here in a minute, we're going to do so will I. And my heart is, is that through this message, you would see, man, God, I want to have a so will I spirit. I want to have a so will I heart. I want to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. I want... God to dwell in me. So if you bow your head and close your eyes, I want to pray with you. Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you that you stretched your arms for us to heaven so that we can have life, so that we can have power. We can have the Holy Spirit guide and speak and lead our life. God, we're not content with anything else, with anything less. We want more 
of you. But we can't have more unless we say, so will I. There is blessing in our obedience. You bless the Israelites because they were willing to sacrifice, to put their focus, to reorient it back onto what was important. God, we focus on our temple this morning. I pray right now, as we go into fasting, as you said, I am, while the seed is even still in the barn, I'm gonna move for you to show you I'm real. I pray right now that you would speak to your people. I pray that you would even give them a fasting focus, that there might be an addiction, there might be an anxiety, a fear, something keeping them trapped and stuck that you wanna break off their life through this fast. Speak to them right now in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we want to be free. We don't want to be bound to the things of this world, but we want to be transformed and made into the likeness and the image of Jesus. And by your strength and by your help, we can choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. We want to be consistent in this. So I pray right now, Father, as we sing this, a so will I spirit will begin to arise. As you're praying and you feel God begin to speak and move and lay on your heart out of physical obedience, I want you to come forward and just kneel at the altar. Or if you can't get out of your seat, make an altar right where you're at and just say, God, I am physically responding because when I physically respond to when you speak, spiritual power is released. I'm believing 2018 is going to be a year of spiritual power released in your life in the name of Jesus. So right now as you're praying, the music team's going to play. And when you feel to respond, I just want you to take a moment and come to the altar and tell the Holy Spirit, so will I. Whatever your word says, I'll go. Whatever it says, I'll do. And with God's help, we can choose the hard right over the easy wrong. In Jesus' name.